Why do you say that, Father? You aren't afraid, are you? No. But I respect some of the superstitions of others. Often, they are founded in fact. live from our Sanctum Sanctorum in Venice, California. I'm Krista. I'm Kristen. And we are the, the Sixth, Sixth Sense Society. Society. Welcome to another episode of the Sixth Sense Society. We are delighted to have Adela Levine back again tonight. Welcome. Thank you for having me back. You're most mm -hmm. welcome. And I finally get to meet you. Yes. <laughs> you weren't here last <laughs> And tonight's show, however, we're going to be, Adela, if you don't know, is a medium, a clairvoyant, and intuitive professionally, but tonight she's going to share with us her experience at a Waldorf school, and we're going to also talk a little bit about Rudolf Steiner. First, however, we're going to go over the cosmic weather for this week, and there's not a whole lot, but a couple of important things. Today, it was the last quarter moon at 1.10 p.m. in 7 degrees of Scorpio, 38 minutes. So the moon is now in Scorpio, which is great for our show, I think. And Friday, um, February 1st, we have the celebration of Imbolc, or sometimes called Candle Mass. And on Saturday the 2nd is Groundhog's Day. There was one calendar that put Imbolc on Saturday, but I stuck with the Celtic calendar, and, and it said it was the 1st. And then Saturday, we also have uh, two asteroids changing signs. We have Ceres moving into two degrees of Sagittarius, 32 minutes, and also Vesta into zero Pisces, 31 minute at 4 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, there, was, there was one thing I thought was interesting, Kristen, that there's a lot of planets in fire signs right now. Mm -hmm. Very little water, only Neptune and Pisces. So I wonder what do you think of that? Well, it played a lot into the eclipses, and they were talking a lot about, a lot of the astrologers were talking about just uh, if you were a fire sign, that this could be very significant for you. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting with the eclipses. It's, it's a lot about, I think, taking action, and a lot of action coming during this period of the eclipse. Um, and it was, I, I do want to mention that and I think is you're always really great about saying, you know, always look at your chart. Just because it's an eclipse doesn't mean anything bad is going to happen. Just because it's a full moon doesn't mean anything bad is going to happen. Just because it's a retrograde. Because there's sort of like this madness of, oh my God, this is sort of happening. And I think because this was a particularly fiery mm -hmm. um, eclipse and there's like a lot of uh, fire sign action going on, that it can feel very overwhelming emotionally and physically and just mentally with a lot of stuff coming in especially with the new year there tends to be always a little bit of sort of like the dust of 2018 or any year kind of like trembling in to to the new year and that hasn't quite settled yet and when we have these huge eclipses in fire signs and you know all these things Coming up in January, it can feel very overwhelming. What am I? What do I want to do? I want to get this done, and it can feel almost. It could potentially feel for some of you very almost overwhelming right away. What do I do? What do I pick? How? What kind of action do I take? Since there's so much active energy coming in, you might feel energy to move forward and propel you, but you also could feel overwhelmed. So I would say. Um, what I something that I wanted to point out today was to kind of take a deep breath and just pick a few things you want to do. You have a whole year. So it's okay to say, I want to get these five things done, but to just pick two for now. Maybe say I'm going to spend the first two or three or four months of the year focusing on this and then get to this other thing. You might be surprised at how things domino effect into each other if you can just focus on a few as opposed to getting overwhelmed about doing all of it because then that's when you get to September and you're like oh my god I wanted to do these five life-changing things and I didn't really I only got through a quarter of this one and half of this one I didn't get to that one at all right and so I just know from myself my own personal 
Um, it's, you just pick one thing. It's okay if you have several passions you want to work on. You're not, you're not not caring about those things that you're passionate about because you're choosing to focus on one thing. It's actually going to help you. So that's what I just wanted to point out. And, and we have, luckily we have Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn to ground it all out still. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And the Chinese New Year, I believe is on the first as well. Year of the pig, the fire pig, I believe. Yeah, I think that's next week, actually, but yeah. we're close. We're yeah, pretty yeah. close. But we're it good. is the year of the, the pig, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, Michael, did you want to share a little bit about the show, upcoming shows? Yeah, we've, we've got some really great shows coming up, so I'm totally looking forward to it. Um, next week, on uh, next Sunday, will be the Mysteries of the Tarot. And Krista and myself and, and Kristen are all avid tarot fanatics and we professional readers and I'm sure we'll have some very controversial thoughts on some of it because we tend to sort of have our own unique way of looking at it so it may give you guys some interesting things to think about when it comes to the tarot and we're going to share some of our insights and whatnot so I think that that'll be a lot of fun and I I think we'll have a lot of our, our tarot clients and fans and friends that will look forward to that. Um, and then the following week, uh, the 10th of February, uh, we did confirm that Brad Conan is going to be here with us and, uh, we're going to do astrology. He's an astrologer, but more than that, just relationships, how to find a great relationship, you know, some of our advice and as professional readers, we've all dealt with plenty of relationship questions over the years. So, so we've probably talked to more people about their relationships than relationship counselors have. So hopefully we'll give you guys some interesting insights and in what we've learned about relationships for Valentine's Day. Um, so that's coming up. Um, we have Jim McGrath coming back to talk about um, the symbolism and history of the Holy Trinity, uh, which I think is going to be absolutely fabulous. At the end of February, um, we have Kristen's, or Krista's father coming on to talk about um, Casey. Casey, Edgar Casey, and some of his stuff. So, and, and her dad, her dad, for those of you who don't know, is an absolute <laughs> expert on Edgar Casey. So I think that that should be really fascinating. So those things are coming up. Let's see, what else do we have on tap? We have, um, I think we talked about, oh, and uh, March, we, we talked about our first show being on uh, magical wars and witch wars and stuff like that, because we've all been in a few of those too. Yes. So I will give you some <laughs> advice on how to deal with some of that stuff and look at some of the historic ones, some of them that are pretty amazing. Um, and then hopefully somewhere in March, uh, we're going to have one of the members of Sunset Lodge come on and talk a little bit about Freemasonry and some of the esoteric and symbolic aspects of Freemasonry, which should be very interesting. So as you can see, we've got a really good lineup and we're, we're working well into the spring almost at this point with guests. And if any of you are listening to our show and you have a particularly interesting topic, then give us a call or send us an email and who knows, you may find yourself on our show at some point. It could happen. So I'm going to hand it, hand it back to you guys. I'm, I'm super excited about tonight because there are certain giants in the philosophical, esoteric philosophical, occult philosophical world. And I think people like Manley Hall and Blavatsky, uh, and certainly I think Steiner's right up there with them. I think I would call him a giant in terms of this world. So I'm, I'm really interested to hear more about him and uh, hand it over to you guys and have a great show. And we'll check in maybe somewhere down the road. Great. Thanks so much, Michael. So I'm, I have a little clock here. I'm going to stick to hopefully only about four minutes of a, a sort of bio of Rudolf Steiner because it's hard to condense. He did accomplish a lot, no matter if you like him or, or not, and he is a, a fascinating man. He was born um, in 1861, either February 25th or 27th. I guess they're not quite sure. And he was born in Murakarali, the Kingdom of Hungary, which was part of the Austrian Empire, which is now in Croatia. He, at the age of nine, he saw the spirit of his aunt who had recently died and the family did not know he, they, that she had died. And she spoke to him and said that she wanted Steiner to help her and others like her later in his life. So he had a mystical experience. And that was probably, I think, all that at least is written about his mystical experiences as a child. He actually went to um, the Vienna Institute of Technology and studied mathematics, physics, chemistry, botany, zoology, an audited course in literature and philosophy from 1879 to 1883, and he got an academic scholarship there. He was brilliant by the age of 15. He was so smart that he was already tutoring his um, own peers and younger people. He needed to do it sometimes for money, but he was really brilliant and also a very philosophical as a young boy. He luckily was invited to become the chief editor of a new edition of Goethe's work, 
because of one of his teachers in 1882, and Goethe became an absolutely huge influence on him, particularly his view of nature came through Goethe, and uh, that became part of all of, of his teachings in a lot of ways. Uh, one of the other, I think, transforming things for Steiner was, again, he was a tutor at the age of 23. In 1884, he tutored a family that had four children. It was Ladislas and Pauline Specht. And the 10-year-old Otto, you might know this, uh, he was considered mentally retarded, uh, and he was behind on his work. So because of his belief in, in um, human beings, he thought that this child could be helped. And so he thought that the child's ego, personality, needed some support. And so he spent a lot of time tutoring him over two years. The child not only caught up in his education, but he also started improving uh, physically. And that was because Steiner already knew that there was a connection between the mind and the body. He went on to go to a gymnasium, which is a university, and he became a doctor. So he, it was really a spectacular success. And though it was, he spent six years tutoring this one child, it formed a lot of his ideas about children and, and especially supposedly disadvantaged children. So I thought that was fascinating. Uh, he worked also as an editor from 1888 to 1896 on the Goethe archives in Weimar. So he had a big, big background in philosophy. And uh, which is really important to understand, and also in thinking. He really, really developed the ability to think. In 1891, he received his doctorate in philosophy at the University of Rostock, and it was on a dissertation on the concept of the ego. Uh, so then we go on to some of his just normal parts of his life. He got married in 1899 to Anna Eunuch, and at the same time, he was asked for the first time to speak in front of the Theosophists. And uh, he wasn't a member at that point. He spent some time in the winter with Margie Lang and her husband, uh, Edmund Lang, who were theosophists. And so he began to see what the theosophist, which was developed by Blavatsky, uh, or started by Blavatsky and a couple others. And he realized he had a lot of the same views spiritually of the theosophy. So he did become um, the head of the newly constituted German section in 1902 but was more officially appointed in 1904 by Annie Besant, who was at that time the head of Theosophy because Blavatsky had died. And he became the leader in both Germany and Austria of the Theosophical Esoteric Societies. So that was when he really started getting into Theosophy and starting to do more lectures. It was also when 1904 was when he published his first major occult works, which was Theosophy, an introduction to the supersensible knowledge of the world and the destination of man. Uh, so that's supposed to be one of the better books to read of Steiner. If, you're if you want to read Steiner, he is a little difficult at first, and that's one of the good ones to start with. It's easier to read. And then another important work was published in 1909. It was Occult Science, and that's also considered to be one of his most important works. So it's really as he gets more into, you know, later in life, I guess around his 40s, when he's really outwardly seen as a leader and a public figure, uh, he had this desire to build a temple, and it became uh, the Goethe Annum, I think is how you say it. And he, they laid the stones for that in 1913, September 20th. Uh, there's still one um, today, but it's a second version as the first one was burnt down. He remarried. He, he didn't stay with the first woman, but he married again um, Marie von Sivers in 1914, who also had a huge influence on him because at a lecture she met him and she basically uh, suggested he become the leader of a new spiritual movement. And so he, he decided he would, and he took it on. And this really marked the beginning of his public personality. So he had a, a fairly um, quiet background before this in a lot of ways, more behind the scenes. So coming to our show, it was in 1919 that the first Waldorf School was created. And Steiner was giving a lecture to workers at the Waldorf Astoria Cigarette Factory in Stuttgart, Germany. And at the lecture, he actually spoke of how World War I showed the need for a new social order that would um, have different ways of handling more peacefully conflict. So the, the factory owner, Emil Molt, evidently was impressed by the lecture. And then for some reason, I don't quite know why, he just wanted Steiner to start a school for the factory workers' children there. And so Steiner agreed, and he had some stipulations about that, which we can talk about later with 
Adela. And so they started, that was the first one that started. Uh, one of the ones I know that he stipulated was he wanted the, the school to be run cooperatively by the teachers. And I think that to some degree that's done, at least I know in the European schools today. Uh, he also did a great lecture on biodynamic farming. I won't go into that because that's a whole nother beautiful topic <laughs> in 1922. And then he died uh, 1925 on March 30th, only at the age of 64 in Dernach, Switzerland. Um, Colin Wilson, who's, I drew a lot from um, Colin Wilson's great biography on Rudolf Steiner, the man in his vision, as well as a couple uh, notable biographies and even Wikipedia, a couple facts. But uh, Colin Wilson writes that many thought the cause of his early death were the many people that Steiner would give personal consultations to. He couldn't say no, and he was a Pisces. Um, <laughs> and he would, he had, the amount of lectures he gave was absolutely unbelievable. And um, all of his works together are like 350 volumes. This is, and yeah. it's incredible the amount of work he put out. And when you, you can get to the lectures online and they're, they're like sophisticated lectures. I mean, they're not just, Hey, you know, come, come join anthroposophic um, society or it's like these complex ideas. I can't imagine his brain must have been so powerful. So his method of investigating the inner world of the mind, um, I think does unleash a lot of energy, like because of his productiveness and he proves it. But he didn't think he was going to die. I don't think he was. He was still working. He was working on a book. I think he thought he'd Excuse recover. Me. So it's kind of sad that he, but he did so much. And and um, that's a little bit about him. And uh, we're going to jump in right away and start talking about, uh, me, of course, the Waldorf schools, which are really there's many Waldorf schools and they're really growing. And he, I don't know if he would have even realized the effect he had, you know, and how they're all over the world and. So Adela has gone to Waldorf School, and mm. let's start with that. So when did you go, and where did you go? Um, I went to one out here in L.A., and um, it was one that opened in, um, I think, the 60s. So it's one of the older ones, mm -hmm. one of the original older ones, I guess. I don't, don't quote me on that. <laughs> but I, I went in kindergarten, and that they didn't have, they have a preschool now, but they didn't have a preschool then. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that wasn't very Waldorfian because the whole, as what, that's what we kind of like call it, <laughs> like the like you're a Waldorfian and all that kind of language. Um, but I went in kindergarten, my siblings, I'm, I'm going to jump back to myself, but just to kind of give a concept, they went from K to 12, two of them. And wow. then one of them went K to, um, he left in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. I, they're all very uh, kind of practical minded people and I'm the one floating around and I actually is interesting because I went in kindergarten and I went in first grade in the Waldorf school you once you go into first grade you have the same teacher from first to eighth grade oh wow the teacher How moves cool. with you mm -hmm. so you gotta really like the teacher <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> and it just so happened that when I went I think my mom had some issues with this teacher mm -hmm. I later uh -huh. found out because I went back in high school so I left and then didn't go to school anything like Waldorf mm -hmm. at all so not like it that I had to be pushed back into first grade because mm -hmm. um they teach reading later in, in Waldorf. Mm. And so I wasn't, um, up to, up to, you know, par for reading at all. And it was really, really devastating. Actually. I still remember having to find out that I was pushed back a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, that was why I didn't stay. Otherwise I definitely would have stayed. And kindergarten was amazing. Mm -hmm. It was mm. magically amazing. I still, still remember kindergarten and probably is the only year I care about of all my school years. That's kind Aww. of amazing. I don't know how many people that would even remember kindergarten. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Because they, um, the whole, so like I have, which is not very Waldorfian. I have, cause they don't use like iPads on their learning, but I have in my notes to kind of explain why, but in, um, in Waldorf schools, um, especially the whole thing with the child is to kind of keep the imagination alive as mm -hmm. long as possible. Mm -hmm. And, um, the reason is because of the threefold being that mm -hmm. he believes in, which mm -hmm. is feeling, thinking, and willing. 
because I actually I wrote this down from Kamala. Thank you, Kamala, an alum who went for, who I was in kindergarten with, and she's gone from K through twelve. And her mom was actually a Waldorf teacher, so she she's very you know this was her world. And when I came back in high school, we like reunited. It was really trippy. Wow. She was still there. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, so because of the feeling, willing, and um, thinking idea. The whole idea of the feeling is really promoted and mm -hmm. keeping the child in the imagination as long as possible. So you come in and you make things like this, like I'm showing for those you can't see, but they're so hand cool. sewn like little gnome hats and you make gnomes and you make um, fairies and um, this is like sewn, like you mm. can see. Mm -hmm. This is kindergarten. Wow. And they sit there with you and um, I didn't make this one, but... Um, it's too fresh looking for my, <laughs> yeah. for my young age. Anyway, so um, so yeah, so this is kind of when you when I when I would come in when you come in the lights are dim, mm. they don't they don't like the idea of false lighting, and there's candlelit lighting, and it's they talk very much like welcome, very much like hello, and yeah. and it's just like very. <laughs> It's very much like what children respond to. Like it feels really comfy and warm, and um, and they um, the whole room is set up with wood. Everything's wood, and it's all to get back to nature. His whole belief was everything's supposed to be through nature, mm -hmm. and so the whole classroom is wood. Um, the the toys are wood, um, and you make um, you use yarn to mm -hmm. sew you use yarn to make things um you even learn how to make candles and things like this it's all again because it's beeswax and it comes from nature so it's that's very a good point based. um that was one of the reasons he was upset i remember because during that time as well as blavatsky there was mm -hmm. that whole um reductionism and material overemphasis on scientific reductionism and materialism and he mm -hmm. really wanted to fight against that you know that yeah. that was con the concept yeah of of seeing nature is really important and right. going back and looking at um, the people that did see nature in the past. Is oh important. yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's beautiful. Like the, the yard is mm -hmm. not like a normal uh, kid's yard. It's all flowers and nature. There's like, I, I've gone back since and there's like a tortoise walks around freely. Oh, the, the sandbox is not a sandbox. It's sand in the earth. And then mm -hmm. they have like, these wooden areas where you can get water and pour in and it's all very like it feels like you know um someone I know described it like Willy Wonka but nature mm -hmm. and it is like that and I remember it that way the only difference is when I went back is they had structure play because of the laws today right that they mm -hmm. made them put right. in a structure uh, play yes. but they still have rocks and that you would normally not see in other schools. Mm -hmm. And that's what we played on, like rocks. And I remember like loose, um, you know, wood you, to build. So everything's supposed to be, so like even when you do make like um, gnomes and things, they don't have faces. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. nothing of the toys there have faces. Mm -hmm. All of the wood I'm holding up like a an example that's an angel um, with the wood this is very very Waldorfian like the wood just round ball face with wings on it but no face painted and the reason why is because like I actually asked this question to Kamala and she was saying it goes with the whole like feeling like they don't believe in you project your idea the kids are supposed to use their imagination of mm -hmm. does the angel feel happy sad whatever or this the toy that they're playing with I see so they want the children to project they want to keep it in their you know imagination so um a lot of people when they come in you know <laughs> Waldorf they they think it's like an artsy school or they think it's kind of strange that there's these you know things without faces but everything is very purposeful and the reason why I had to ask my friend is because um she pointed out why I'm like how come I didn't understand all these like what you just described all the stuff you're talking about with him and I go, how come I didn't connect those dots? And she's like, well, his whole philosophy was for children to experience, but not to teach like his philosophy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't taught. So we weren't like, this is why you're playing with 
the dolls with no faces because we want you to project your imagination. Right. It was like, and if you see the teachers, they're very like that. They'll go, we get take out your dolls now. Like, okay, now go over to the table. Like, they don't really, I'm probably not even saying it right because it's not, they don't direct. Right. They kind of create this atmosphere of exploration, but with, there is an organization to it. Right. So you're experiencing right. this. You just feel like you're just, you know, you're safe. I remember I felt like it was very warm and magical. And so the whole thing with like, I think she, she pointed out like to me that she was helping me understand, like connect those dots is that the, um, that the kids, when they go into, for, into kindergarten, it's like fairies and imagination and all that kind of stuff. And they, he believes in the seven year mark. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you actually do kindergarten for two years mm -hmm. and you don't, we called it moving up <laughs> mm -hmm. into first grade till you're seven. And then even the high school and the elementary is separate because mm. they, he looks at it like the children at this age are supposed to be, um, kind of, um, in this like you know, way of thinking that is not like they're preparing you for the real world. So, so that's not the words he used, but so it's the idea that the child, cause it's interesting cause I've always believed in this about children mm -hmm. always. And then I was, when I was hearing this, I go, well, maybe this did like me and Krista were talking about this. This came into my being without me realizing that children kind of are in between the worlds. As a spiritual person, I believe this yes. until they get about eight, nine, ten, yeah. and so that's kind of fitting to what he believes, and that you're supposed to slowly kind of go, okay, now you're in this mundane world, and so he kind of keeps it like letting the children float, and then right. you so slowly so introduce. Abrupt. It's not so abrupt, and they even have a rose ceremony that the uh, the twelfth graders do with the uh, kindergartners. Oh. So they kind of say, welcome to your first grade as we're leaving. We're mm -hmm. kind of guiding you into this world as we exit the school. So there's like actual rose ceremony hmm. where they hand you the rose. I remember it to this yeah. day, like feeling really like, wow, this is like, they seem like huge to me, of course, but so they're, everything's very purposeful. Mm. Well, I read, I think it was in Colin Wilson's um, biography. He mm. said that Steiner himself knew he had matured late in life in terms of he was very okay. drawn um, into the inward world, more, more unusually so um, for a child, even as a young adult. And he knew he kind of blossomed later. But because of that, he felt that they it didn't water down the uh, experience of the inner and outer worlds and that was what he had experienced so he i think he wanted children to experience that like you were saying that they get that time in the inner world which is one of the things i really get from his um books is that he's he believes we should all really develop the inner world because that is the real world and mm -hmm. then once you do there are spiritual um gifts right. that occur and, um, and that was his experience uh, himself. So I thought that was interesting. He even said he thought he had developed later in terms of dealing with the external world. Right. Well, having and, worked in the school system, I have a, a master's of education and worked in the schools. This is sort of what I'm seeing is that kids are forced a little bit into this world before they're ready for it and some way before they're ready for it. Having worked in special ed and working with some kids that I think are so gifted but being forced into this sort of structure. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting what you said about you would come in and it was like this and it was like calming. I remember going into student teaching and having this idea about what I wanted to do. And I had like my gong and I was mm -hmm. going to, I had done all this research <laughs> about things would get, you could do a certain thing and it would be, but first of all, if a child is like in second, third grade and they haven't been exposed to that, in the, in the school system, right. it's hard for them to even assume, to go back to that. That's right. Because mm -hmm. they've been, burr, burr, burr. Right. You know, even by the most wonderful of teachers who are loving, it's this sort of thing. Right. They can't get back to it. Um, so a lot of the ideas that I had were sort of undoable also for that reason and because of the structure <laughs> yeah. of, of the regular school system mm -hmm. where you have to get A, B, and C done and you have to get it done now. Mm -hmm. um, but it was very interesting because I would insist after recess on dimming the lights and playing soft music, and they would get a chance, and I was, you know, my master teacher didn't do this, 
but I really wanted them to transition between being outside for recess where they're letting go right. and coming back in to have to do work. And so I used to, I added five minutes on to the transition time and I dimmed the lights and they could do crayons. And if they didn't want to do crayons, they could sit quietly at their desks and put their head down if they would prefer to rest. I did a little um, quiet exercise where they could get up and move their bodies, but not to this rock and roll kind of music where you'd see them, let's get the kids, get their energy out. Mm -hmm. And they would be banging around. And it was just so different. And I know that that was not done when I was done with my student teaching. It was shortened again. And, and the mm -hmm. kids didn't get the crayons. But I just felt like... Anyway, it's very interesting to hear this because I'm like, I should probably go work at a Steiner school. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah and you, um, you go through the, you have to go, if you already have a degree, you just have to go through the Waldorf training, right? Right. Um, the thing I want to, like, point out, two things, is that when you're in the school, you are not taught his philosophies like mm -hmm. you're learning them. Mm -hmm. We are just experiencing this experience. So right. it is not um, taught to us like, this is, this is his beliefs. This is why we're doing this. It, it's not, you don't, it's not at all. Mm -hmm. And so you're just having this experience. And the other thing I want to point out is it's not for everyone. It mm -hmm. really, really isn't. <laughs> right. Like it's, there are some kids that are just like, this is too bubbly. Cause there is something called the Waldorf, the Waldorfian bubble. Right. And people who've gone to Waldorf will know and will joke about like, you're just kind of in this like soft bubble and then anything you're trying to penetrate through that is very kind of Well, it's like stopped. Montessori school. Like Montessori is wonderful for some kids and Montessori right. is too and much Right, and Montessori is actually, because I, I was a, uh, I worked with kids for a lot of years, but, um, and I worked with Montessori school. It's completely different than Waldorf. Yes. People yeah. always compare it, not at all the same. But you know what's interesting about your story, when you told me your, your sister and brother, yeah, that they actually became quite educated intellectuals and they went to the schools longer than you didn't aren't their professions are what not are you trying to say i'm not no educated, no i think uh, what, no I'm, I'm saying that a lot of people think that correct. people are going to come out of the world you're going to be a medium if you leave a medium and not even that not, not that they're going to be kind of like artsy people all of them oh, and people that, that always there's think this that. misconception okay. I yeah think, so the know. thing is that's the other thing i want to say is that it has turned there's been some debate over people who are true old school Waldorfians and how it's starting to turn into now as like, oh, this is a cool alternative school that's artsy. It is not an artsy. It's very like in, um, so I was going to get into what you get into high school and well, so the curriculum the would curriculum. have to be, it's a private school, but it still has certain you know, well, the thing is about the way they teach is the whole experiencing it. So it's the feeling concept is that when they teach, you're not taught at. So let me just go back to because this is the biggest thing people ask about mm -hmm. is why it takes so long for them to teach reading because they don't learn to read till third grade. Yes. And I'm so, curious yeah. as to how that works. So like I got this from Kamala <laughs> because she, she, um, one thing she kind of filled me and I knew that, you know, that they don't teach to read and I knew it was about this idea of keeping you in that like flow but it was mostly because he believes in you know the ideas when the child is ready mm -hmm. and so they kind of just don't push and so but however what people don't realize is they do a lot of preparation that doesn't look like they're teaching reading which is like when I was in first grade there's this big chalkboard and it's these color um, different color chalks and the teacher would say, and the, you know, like the magical man or, you know, the, the fairy flew and he would draw it mm. and he would draw the story from like how you read mm. from left to right. And you would draw it from left to right. Mm. And then you would tell the story. So it's almost like you're illustrating it. Well, you are illustrating it. That's the whole point. And they get really big into illustrating, which is giving you, um, I wanted to say exactly what she told me, but I'm pretty sure it's the, the feeling part of it. Right. And so you go and you start with that and then you go to the next one and you start to tell the, and the, so you're filling up your page. Mm -hmm. And so you've told a story. So they do things, their way is to introduce it to you in the way a child likes, you know, their brain works. Well, of course there's some kids that are like, that's too slow. I want to learn sure. to read. Right. And so you have to right. pay attention to the to your kid. Right. And um and but it is very in there's a 
they're they're very intellectual because when they teach, like I'll I'll talk about in a minute at high school and stuff. They when you take when you're in class, their teachers right in front of you. It's interactive. You're discussing it. They get very involved. They're like, and then this, and if it's about botany, which we took, zoology, which we had, and all that kind of stuff, chemistry, um, they're called main lessons, which I'll explain. It's very involved. So these kids are like, when I went back into mm -hmm. high school, I was like, they like know their stuff because right. they're like in it. Right. They're not taking notes detached from it. Right. They're like in it because you have to make your own books. There are no books in Waldorf. You create your own books. Mm. And so the art part comes from teaching you illustration. Okay. And they even, when I was younger, they had even horse, horse shoe making. They had um, stained glass making. And you did a project for the school, and one of them would be, like, maybe a stained glass sign, you know. So it's like, people think it's just artsy, but it's absolutely not just artsy. There's a lot of learning, and a lot of the people I know I went to school with have very, very good, uh, had got into very high education and things mm -hmm. like that. So the thing is, I think what people worry about if they're thinking about, you know, this for their child is probably the one through a thing. Also, once you enter them, you know, they're not Kids are learning to read in kindergarten now and right. they're not doing that. And, um, you know, obviously technology is kind of um, a touchy well, subject, but well, I can that's explain. That's interesting, what they, though, mm -hmm. because yes. I being in education, I've had this discussion um, with, a, with a teacher of 25 years who was, she doesn't agree with all the technology in the schools and neither do I. Not that you shouldn't be exposed to it, but there's too much of it. My class would sit there in front of their iPads, not even really engaged with it. <laughs> and, and so I had this discussion with this veteran teacher and she would tell me about this article, um, about all like these people in Silicon Valley whose kids were all going to alternative schools where there wasn't any technology. And they were asking them, aren't you worried your kids are not going to be up? And they're like, no, they're going to be just fine. Mm -hmm. You don't need to stick them, you know what I mean, in front of an iPad at, at two in order for them to understand it by 12. You know, there's just, mm -hmm. not that there's any, again, I'm not, Telling there shouldn't be technology in the schools, but it's not as necessary as we think, and it is overused. And I think that because classrooms are too overloaded and the curriculum is so based on test taking that it's easy to just stick your class in front. I mean, I've just seen it so many times where it's like several, I mean, there's like a center of kids just sitting in front of iPads while other kids do other things. And like half the time, the kids aren't even paying attention to the iPad. Well, the thing I was going to say is that I personally, which is not very Waldorfian, I don't really have a problem with it because these kids are going to, they have to, they have to know technology. Right, of course. They're not going to have a job. Right. <laughs> not, no, someone no. has to fix the robots mm -hmm. and stuff, right? Right, but it's so, not, but if they don't get it in the first and second grade, they're not going to be ruined in high school. They're, no, they're not going to be ruined, but you know. they are going to be a little bit behind. And I kind of feel like I can't speak for the whole, you know, system, but I do know that it was a very, it's a very big concern and it was such a big concern that they had to adjust. So they do do computers in right. high school. And um, what, what about the lower school? What the lower school, school know, but what Kamala told me, sorry, Kamala, I'm using your it's but about, it's what about they, the engagement um, with the technology. I'm convinced that half these kids aren't engaged with it. If they were I think engaged just, with it, I, I wouldn't mind. I think that's mind. a case-by-case -case thing probably, yes. right? Like school. So she said that they're introduced in ninth grade, but they learn binary math. So by they, what? Binary math. Okay. Binary math, which is all the numbers and oh, stuff that okay. we use to program. Okay. So oh. um, she said um, they said they, she said they learn in ninth grade, but they don't do it until binary math, how it's created. So they teach them the technology, but they have to learn what's behind it, which is binary math. Oh, that's good. So it's not just about programming and stuff, but about how binary math works. Um, but this is why they don't use textbooks, because it's the whole threefold man thing and, you know, creating. So I feel like there has been problems mm -hmm. where it's like people were like, that you can't just limit this because you have to kind of keep up with the way what's happening with the world so I think my it's just my own opinion of right. I think balance is important mm -hmm. and I feel like I know in the back in the day when you're kind of in it and technology wasn't as like it is now right it was kind of like a lot to, like 
you know, some people felt like it was, but, but it's just like anything. People go home and they do what they do. Like they even go as far as back then, like no TV and stuff. Right. And of course that didn't. Yeah, that did not happen. Well, I think, I think what I like <laughs> about the saying about, about, this, about the Waldorf school right. is it is, a, it is it's purposeful. about balance, right? That, and that if they sorry, are incorporating yeah. technology, it's purposeful technology. Right. So you're understanding what it is, and it does depend on the school. It depends on the school because mm-hmm. I've worked in a lot of schools that financially don't have. That's the right. money, right? And like the computer teacher is like literally an unqualified aid right. position, right. and she's not teaching. I mean, I've just been upset. I don't mind. I mean, of course, uh, technology is it wonderful. Absolutely depends because I've seen schools where they use it totally appropriately, totally, but they also they actually have the they have the finances behind it, right? And that's the thing. Like, don't get me wrong, Waldorf is a very very expensive school, right? It's extremely expensive, and um and so it is like. I kind of look, I want to be fair, you know, and right. say like all these amazing things that I know that I love that the whole like feeling of that kind of kindness and that, and that gentleness that I remembered very clearly in kindergarten. And even I remember seeing things and I thought I imagined it. Like I remember mm-hmm. feeling like we would play these games and I would see people come out of the woods, so to mm-hmm. speak, cause that's kind of our playground was playing with me and it wasn't until I asked my friend like did you see things too because I swear I thought it was just me she goes oh yeah of course it's that's part of it and I'm like she just said it flippantly because she's been there for a million (laughs) and I I was the one that didn't kind of connect the dots for a long time until I was in high school and I saw my first spirit you know I first time I told anybody actually I should say and I told my teacher and she just was like yeah so what was that like what did you see like she was just a very non- just it wasn't a big deal that mm. I would see That's things. Fantastic. And, and that, that is one of his goals. Um, it's emphasized a lot where he really wants everyone to see that by working with the mind and the inner world, you develop a spiritual vision. And mm-hmm. he used the spiritual vision um, in contra- instead of controversial ways where he would go to like into history mm. and he would say spiritually what he saw. And he talks about developing thinking and clairvoyance together in ways I've never really heard anyone talk about the two together. Mm-hmm. So he has a really interesting view of the inner world. And the other thing that I thought was really emphasized was the development of the particular, he called it the ego, but I think it's also the um, the real personality of the child. Right. And that, that's, that's right. really what he's trying mm-hmm. to do. At the, yes. a very Because if you mm-hmm. develop it at an early age, right. it's much more like no, stable. Knowing who they are, because that right. was the biggest thing that I took away without all the, you know, recent, like, information I got. I've always said that the thing that I got out of it from when there is that they teach according to you. So mm-hmm. if you, they pay attention to who you are. Mm-hmm. So if they're like, you're very, very in your head, you're very brainy, you're very like practical minded, then they kind of gear you. They don't try to push it out of you. Right, they're not going to push creative, be a fairy person. Right, if that's right. not who you are, right. they work with who you they, are. And they, te- they kind of go with your like pace. And right. so they're very big. And so they do that even all through high school too. They're very pay attention to the whole being of the person. Which is how I always believed in when I, even when I worked with little preschoolers, the people would say, like, how do you run this, you know, class? I go, because I just kind of tune into each child. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of the way I always thought. And so that's kind of very Waldorf. And, um, and the whole thing, like, I never understood, like, why they, you know, the classrooms don't have, they don't believe in, like, any rigid, like, like around the chalk, there, there isn't, I don't know, is there even a chalkboard? I think there is. So there's yeah. no hard edges. There's no hard of. edges because of nature. Everything, mm-hmm. so they do have, they teach you gardening, not, not probably to the extent you learned, but there's a definite garden and you do gardening and everything's about um, pulling from nature. And um, I remember making, and they do flute, like the old school fluting. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I crocheted my own flute holder and... So it's kind of like keeping you grounded, I guess. And so it's slowly introducing you 
like yes you're this kind of magical being but you know there's the earth and, you know, right and yeah you really of, yeah you see it in the biodynamic farming right. I, I first met um the concept of waldorf school when i was in um, my late 20s and I worked as a grocery buyer mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. as a job. I got a job in right. Hawthorne Valley Farm, and they're still there, and they have everything right there. They have the farm. They have an apprentice program. They have the school. And so I didn't study it, but I definitely kind of like got the impression that Steiner was very important and that he developed all these different things. Right. And, and what I found amazing about the food on the biodynamic farm, which is really a step above organic in a lot of ways. Um, and in is Europe, it, it tastes, it's very popular. It, 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 tastes, mm -hmm. it tastes so good. Yeah. Like the mm -hmm. carrots were sure. so sweet. The kids would eat them raw. And I don't know you know, if it's the same then. That was like, I'm sure it is. But um, he had the vision that was a spiritual vision. He saw the soil was already depleted. Mm -hmm. And then he came up with this crazy concoction of cow's horns and all these different things that you bury and... Um, and it fertilizes the ground, mm. and that's what they use for the soil, and it's, it's proven chemically to mm. be really helpful to the soil. Oh, wow, so it cool. seems really odd, but it isn't. And But it was his spiritual vision that saw what he needed to do, and that's where you get a little of that nature. Um, but I always liked seeing the apprentice people because they always seem mm. so alive and connected to the earth, and I almost considered even doing it because it, it seems so... Yeah. So you look cool. like a Waldorf teacher. There's like a look <laughs> Waldorf teachers have. And you would probably love it if you are if you believe I, in all um, that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah um, it is um, um, that I think, like like I said, I think when I was young, I didn't see it as like, oh, I'm connecting with nature. I mm -hmm. think because like you, like, like I've said, you, you're just experiencing the, the, the whole thing. Like the, the teacher that I had in kindergarten, she actually, I remembered her, and because my whole family went there, we kind of, yeah, people knew us, you know, pretty well. <laughs> but she called my when my mother was dying. She called the hospital room and talked to me like oh, that's wow. like you don't have your yeah. kindergarten teacher. That's I mean, she was like my like I thought she was like this amazing like they invest. magical lady yeah. like in kindergarten because it was that whole energy that very soft energy. Well, in high school, though, and I think it's before high school, so people have to quote me. There's may not quote me, but I'm pretty sure they start doing this before high school. I didn't get to experience it. But I think that it starts to happen when you're getting more and more into, like, you know, reading and stuff like that. might be, like, fifth grade and stuff, but people would have to research it. You start to have main lessons. So instead of having, like, in high school, you know how you, you sign up and you have all your different classes? Mm -hmm. right. The way they do it is main lesson blocks. So you have, like, your staples, English and math and things like that, and then right. you have main lesson blocks. And main lesson mm -hmm. blocks would be, like, zoology, botany, and those type of things in chemistry. And you have them, I think, for three months, or I forget how long it was. And you're taught that main thing, plus you're going to all the staples, plus you're going to, like, learning to paint. Right. And the art, the artistry of, look, I'm not going to show my main lesson book, because <laughs> you have to draw. Yeah. Mine's horrible. <laughs> Cause, I would imagine if you didn't like drawing and you were at the Steiner School, it would be like, oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, well, they kind of, that's the thing. These kids that I went to school with have been drawing since kindergarten. Right. And oh. I left and came back and they were like, Phew. <laughs> and I was like, forget it. Like, yeah. I don't want anyone to see this. But Waldorf teachers aren't like that. They're like, right. it's all about expression to right. them. So they won't let you get away with that. They're like, no, no, no. You still have you to know? do it. And yeah. I was like, I'm, they don't look at like good or bad. And so when you have the main lessons, you go in. And like I said, you're very, very involved and with the teaching. And you do take notes and you go home and you start and you have to put it in your main lesson book. And they look like what I'm holding up for those who can't see is basically like a, what would you call it? It's like it's a, a typical folder. folder. Yeah. And it has like all of the, like this is Fox. It's like, this is a main lesson. And of <laughs> Gerta, course. Of course. Like it, yes. <laughs> yeah. And like you have to do it. And they, in Waldorf, they believe in shading with coloring. And hmm. it's again, and they also, you use special crayons that don't have points. They're squares and they're beeswax. Ah. And it's because, and I, 
never totally knew and then I asked my friend and she said it's because it's not supposed to be the point represents you're supposed to draw it like this so if it's a square oh. and also it's for when they're little this is not high school obviously the grip of it, it's the grip it, yeah. right so which oh. is like if you look at the world they're kind of oh. catching up to him I was gonna because say. I see those now in Target and and they're yes. like mainstream now because I work in special ed and right. we have them a lot right oh. so but it's it's mm -hmm. interesting how hmm. I think a lot of these um, yeah. concepts are, are flowing are coming, into right he was ahead of his it's time it's not so alter, it's still so alternative to some people but not so much not as it so used much to be. no 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 not at all and so hmm. there's a thing called shading and i'll show you an example of that and you learn to shade and again she said it's because if you do a sun you shade it and mm -hmm. so what it is it's like you hold the crayon and you're just kind of creating the shaded mm. version. Mm. And it's again, he doesn't want you to go like, it. this is a sun and it has to be perfect. It has to look this way right. because in a science book when they see that the sun and that's what it is and it's a big label. They well, want you to be well, in their imagination. Well, this is kind of more younger kids, right. the shading part. Like as right. a kid's yeah, older, specific, they are drawing suns. There's right, a specific right, right. style I noticed for the younger yes, drawings. It's the, and, well, I'll, yeah. I'll show you, you an example. It. Yeah. And then when you're in high school, when they give you a grade, like this is... This is them giving a grade. They write. So she's showing like almost a whole so page. I'm showing like yeah. a whole comment. page of comments, and yeah. then there's a grade. Which, um, yeah, there's the F. That's on there. a lot of effort. <laughs> That's not an F. Is yeah, an yeah. F? My is mom was really sick during the time I was there, and the amazing thing about them is they all rallied behind me and helped me through that oh, okay. and um that's the difference of that kind of energy but yeah um they give you a whole explanation mm -hmm. so they're not like i was telling you earlier like i had an english teacher who i took journalism and he thought i had like a natural writing gift and i was like really into writing like stories and so i you know i didn't realize journalism isn't story right <laughs> so I wrote this whole thing and I thought it was great and he was like it was this is typical Walter it was very great Adele. It was very creative very well put but no facts at all none <laughs> and that's how they'll like tell you they're not going to be okay. like listen you didn't get any facts and then how come you weren't listening to the lecture that we did and we told you it was facts <laughs> yeah they're like right. they're like they'll acknowledge like these this obviously seems to be your gift but in this, what we're trying to learn, you got to kind of add and help you to, mm -hmm. to learn this. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like depleting, taking away from something sure. from you right. and, and saying it's wrong. It's like, this is amazing, but we're doing journalism. So right. we got to maybe kind of work on that. And they'll like push you in that way, in that huh. kind of way. Right. So it makes you feel good and you're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I can do that. You know, yeah, it seems like we'd of... build up a healthy self-esteem right. and also fair criticism. Right, right, because you're learning. You're learning. You're yeah. learning. So they're kind of treating you like a student. Like, you, of course, you don't know. You may not get it the you're first not a time around. Right, it might take a few right. turns right. to kind of understand right. the concept. And the, this is like an example for those who can see for the shading. This is another. What's this subject? This is Spanish, and when they teach Spanish, it's all Spanish. But this is like a shading concept hmm. of where you shade. And um, that's not like the greatest example, but they'll do like full on mm. pictures. And when wow. you have to illustrate your work, so you create a whole book and that's main lesson. And then you do that main lesson block and you go to the next main lesson block. I think Spanish might've been a consistent because they do Spanish and German. Right. But, um, so do you have homework? Yeah, that's your homework. That's your so your homework, homework okay. is you go to, you go in you get all these, you know, information and you got to go home and put it in your main lesson book. You write it out in this, mm -hmm. you know, beautiful kind of writing and you, um, and you draw the illustrations. And I guess that that's where the technology would come in because kids need to learn how to type, if, especially if they're going to go to right, college. Right, So they probably right. have, you can, instead of having to write your journalism right. essay, you can type it out on the computer. Yeah, so that's say. kind of the problem is that people were like, um, they're not going to be writing stuff out, right? You right. Know, when they, in the and, world. And I'm sure that going mm -hmm. college prep is a concern of people. But I did, I did ask, because when I went back, I asked some mm. of the high schoolers there, I said, I said, when we were young, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have... Like I, there's some people who are very much submerged in the Waldorf world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, my parents let me watch TV and things like that. Um, sorry, Mrs. Sparrowclaw, if you see this, but she knows. Um, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, but like these kids were really, it kind of made sense. They're like, well, you know, when we go home, we like can go online right. and we can talk to other people. So right. we're not like totally 
not aware of the world. Right. Whereas back in the day, you could just be in this bubble sure. and not be aware of the world because we just had a phone and TV. But they didn't have Facebook to go right, on. Right. They the connect. They were like, stuff. we have friends in our neighborhood. We have friends online. Like we have, we're kind of well rounded. So they said, like, we have this world and then we have our world at home. So I was right. like, okay, cool. That was really cool. A lot of them actually expressed that. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, do you think, based on your. Uh, current experience dealing with anything with Waldorf that the kids are um, well adjusted or differently adjusted than kids that are going through these, you know, regular private and public schools and also more immersed in social media, like a lot, you know, do you think there could be a positive thing because they're not completely immersed or do you think it, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's individual. I Um, think it's individual. And I think the thing is, is like what they said, what these kids were saying to me, made sense is that they ha- they can be in that world but when they're there at least they f- they have this kind of protective encouragement of we want to know you we want to encourage children to know each other and you know and to like really foster them and stuff so it's like i think they get the balance but i don't think they're i don't think they're going to be completely removed sure from that but i do feel like what i have found is um there is an energy like if you go and you see there is an energy that feels really safe and it feels way more like the kids do feel listened more to more balanced yeah and uh, listened to and I think that you can do the same thing at home if you wanted to for mm-hmm. your own child and sure. have them out in the world and I think for people who maybe need you know help with that Waldorf right. is really good but I feel like I feel like um, it depends on individual cases. Like I said, I, I, even when I was in school, I would see people like, this isn't for them. Right. Sure. Yeah, and I think it just that's probably in general, period. I mean, Anything in yeah, life exactly. is not for everybody. You've got to kind of know your kid and go like, right. if this is if they're telling you this doesn't jive with them, then right. maybe it doesn't jive with them. Right. Yeah. Now, I did notice that uh, there's uh, obviously a lot of uh, schools in Germany and, yes. um, you know, Austria, mm-hmm. the, and they, they call them, um, I think they call them Steiner Waldorf schools. Probably. They kept the name yeah. in it, and mm-hmm. I found this, like, fact sheet that you can see online about what it is, and mm-hmm. but very similar to what you're talking about. Right. It, it does seem like it's growing here, but it seems obviously larger in Europe where he was, you It's know. definitely larger in Europe. It's way more... Large, it's larger here than people think. I think it's just that it, it's kind of they. I don't think they're like going out advertising, mm-hmm. you know, kind right. of thing. When I was younger, they were very big on if you didn't believe in the philosophy uh, as a parent, they were they were a little apprehensive because they wanted you to believe in the philosophy. It didn't right. have to believe in Rudolf Steiner and all these things that you know, um, we're talking about, but the philosophy that we just talked about, the thinking, feeling and, and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like, um, um, it's, but they're, but they're kind of, I think, you know, because of the internet, they're a little more, obviously people are finding out more and more about Yeah, them. I think Steiner right. would actually approve of that, to tell you the truth. Yeah. He didn't have a lot of ego. And he, no, did, he right. from a very he early age, he was to be melded in, to into tutoring and helping children. And, mm-hmm. and, and someone had said, and I think it was Colin Wilson's biography, he was saying that some of the more esoteric stuff he probably should have reserved for the inner circle because they would only understand it anyway. And mm-hmm. that he had these other parts of him that... He even did some things with holistic medicine, and, you know, he was a visionary as well. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. Waldorf was one of his visions, in right. a sense, you know. Right. Well, I mean, he was a playwright as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did a lot with speech and creative speech. I mean, mm-hmm. um, several, you know, Stanislavski, Michael Chekhov, many of the of the uh, top acting coaches okay. of, were really into him. Meryl, and it was, I just was reading an article not too in prep for this uh, mm-hmm. for this show that Marilyn Monroe was actually into him based on um, Michael Chekhov and, and um, working with Stanislavski. Oh, interesting. So it was really mm-hmm. interesting, um, his whole sort of, you know, psychophysio logical kind of like the, the mind, the mind body, yeah. the whole mind body thing that we're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, connection. So he was a very prolific person. Well, absolutely. We we I, I didn't mention this, but in I forgot to say this to to your point is that the last block of main lesson when you're in high school is to do a play. Ah, uh, so yeah, and there's Shakespeare. They're always okay. Shakespeare. I don't know what they are today, but when I was there, it was always a Shakespeare play that we would do. So you would you would do your everything else was already you know 
submitted and you would do your um you know you would do your uh what you might call it uh, you know your main lessons and you do your like generals and then the rest of the time was doing this play this is so cool yeah. and how interesting yeah. yeah you would go and do this play i mean and um then you put on the play and then the other thing we did was we also had to do our own personal project I, our our senior project right and mine was i wrote a play and i put yeah, on a play and then other people did things like you know artwork or whatever and you would present that we awesome. are now getting close to the yeah. end of our show, and I still have questions. I know. I'm going to have a day look back and talk more. I tried to fit it all in as much as I could. I know, and I, interesting topic, and you, I have know? a bunch of stuff you did, too, so, so we'll definitely have to talk more about yes. Steiner. And look, I have a day Before look. we leave, though, it is going to be the 100th anniversary of the Waldorf Schools, and we didn't even and know we that. we didn't even know, and oh. I didn't know that. So there you I go. So. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, join our family. We love you. Thank you for watching. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful week. Thank you, Adela, again Thank you. for coming Thank you for on. Having me. We loved it. <laughs> and have a wonderful week. Bye.